Hello everyone and welcome to Transform to the Renewal of Your Mind podcast where we discuss what it means to be in this world but not of this world. This is Coach Lorraine and I'll be your host for today. So last week we explored the relationship between Adam and Eve and determined that there was a communication mishap that opened the door for the enemy to slither in and introduce flawed logic on a topic that caused Eve to misunderstand what God had really said and led her to make the first mistake which has been recorded as the first sin to ever be committed by anyone. To recap, we discussed how when God created the earth, He created provision before he created human beings. He created everything that we would need to survive before he created us. Do you realize what that means exactly? We work today so we can earn the money that we need to survive. We work for survival. However, the way that God had initially designed it was in such a way that work was something we were going to do just so that we do not remain idle. Adam and Eve were created in a land that already had provision and sustenance. They existed in an environment that was already sustainable. Another way of looking at it is, they had the paycheck before they'd ever worked a day in their lives. They had a home and they had food. According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when Adam and Eve were created, all the basic needs had been met before either Adam or Eve had taken their first breath. The world we live in now, since the first sin or the first mistake, is one in which we have to work to survive, instead of just working just to have something to do. This was the whole idea behind the punishment that God gave Adam when he said he would now have to work hard to cultivate the land. It is a life goal now to have flexibility with our time and to have financial freedom. But that is how God had created the world and for us to live in it in the first place. We discussed in the last episode that the first sin was not committed intentionally. Eve was manipulated by the devil through use of a misunderstanding that was a result of a miscommunication that happened between Adam and Eve. Let me take a moment and ask you all a question. How many of you have ever played the game Broken Telephone? For those that may know this game, or maybe you know it by a different name, the game is played by three or more people. The more people you have played the game, the merrier it is. The person starting the game will whisper a word or phrase in the next player's ear and that player will repeat the word or phrase to the best of their ability to the next person and the next person and the next person until the last person in the line has received the message. This last player has to say out loud what was whispered by the first player at the start of the game. (laughs) Most of the time, there's much laughter and giggles because in most cases, as I'm sure you can imagine, the message is broken or changed. Hence the title of the game, Broken Telephone. Basically, 
Each player gets a turn to think of a word or phrase and whisper it to the player next to them and the cycle continues until everyone has had a chance. It is almost inevitable that the message will change from what was originally said. Everyone expects this to happen. They expect the last person who says the message out loud to get the message wrong, to a point where it is quite the shocker when he or she gets it correct. One could say this was the case between God, Adam, and Eve. A case of the broken telephone. One thing we know for sure is that God does not ever make any mistakes. And he knows exactly how to communicate to each and every person on this earth with the message that will resonate with them and give them the understanding that they need to any particular situation. Even if the understanding is delayed for a little while, usually that is tied to our spiritual maturity and our ability to discern the Word of God. However, when it comes to people though, Relaying messages or even initiating messages can sometimes prove to be a very difficult or cumbersome task to achieve. How many of you have experienced a situation where you knew you had to say something to someone or reach out to someone and apologize for something, for example, or tell someone a message about something important, but because you were feeling a certain kind of way? like hurt feelings or your pride or ego got in the way, and instead of initiating contact with that person, you just decided to leave it alone and not say a word. So initiating communication can sometimes be a challenge for one reason or another. And when initiating is not the problem, just general day-to-day -day communication comes with its own challenges. The funny thing is, communicating is something we do every day and have done since the day we were born. It's the one thing we have done the longest and we are the most experienced. From when we were born, the way we communicated was through crying because we had not learned the art of communicating through the use of words. Then over time, our communication ability improves or evolves. Yet still with that, communication is one of the hardest things to do and the root cause behind most failed projects and most failed relationships. Today, folks, I want to take some time to talk to you about accountability. Let's fast forward to the point where both Adam and Eve have eaten the fruit and we learn that God is now taking a walk in the beautiful garden and he's looking for his children. God calls out to Adam, not Eve, and asks, Where art thou? Where are you, Adam? Adam responds to God by telling him that he is hiding from God because he is naked and afraid. Then God asks him how he knows that he is naked and if he has eaten from the forbidden tree. Now, the simple answer to this question would have simply been yes. I did eat from the tree of knowledge. Instead, we witness Adam shift the blame and responsibility from himself to Eve and say, per the Amplified Version, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. Or, 
according to the Good News translation. The woman you put here with me gave me the fruit and I ate it. Adam immediately, in not so many words, defends himself by implying that it's not his fault. She made him do it. He played the blame game and in so doing, left his one and only partner in the world, literally, out to dry and potentially get the punishment, which in this case, they understood would be death. When Adam said this, he did not know what God would do to Eve exactly, but he certainly had an idea, and that idea scared him. He was so afraid he would be in trouble, he shifted the attention and the blame to the only other person on the earth who was living with him, his one and only true partner and suitable companion, Eve. In an effort to absolve himself from the sin he had committed and avoid enduring any negative consequences that this action would yield. Before I continue, folks, it is important to highlight that up until this point, neither Adam nor Eve had ever experienced fear. Eating this fruit introduced a concept of fear in their lives that they had never known before this point. And that was so strong and powerful that Adam succumbed to it and tried to escape or avoid the perceived scary consequence. What are the facts from this scenario again? Let's take a look back for a moment. Eve ate the fruit out of good intentions because she had been manipulated. Because she did not have ill intentions, we can only infer that when she shared this fruit with her husband, she had hoped to help Adam enjoy the same quote-unquote benefit that she had been tricked into believing would come out of eating this fruit. After all, she was created to help him. We don't know how long it took for them to realize what they had done after they took their first bite, but what we do now know is that by doing this, they both unintentionally fell into the devil's trap. If we look at this from a human perspective, when they realized what had happened, I'm sure Adam and Eve probably talked about how they had just fallen into a trap that led them to eat the forbidden fruit before God arrived looking for them in the garden. I'm sure Eve probably genuinely and remorsefully explained to Adam what happened with the serpent and asked for forgiveness from him for not only falling for the enemy's trap, but for also causing him to fall as well. So that when God came around, instead of Adam blaming Eve, he would have blamed the true culprit here, who was the serpent. Had it not been for Adam's fear of death or dying, Adam would have explained to God and said they had made a mistake and fallen into the enemy's trap. And maybe, if he was that insightfully introspective, just maybe, he would have explained to God how he had realized that he had not communicated effectively to Eve and that the poor communication is what enabled the enemy to cause a misunderstanding, thereby, in so doing, addressing the root of the problem. Maybe, if that's how things had gone down, 
God would have realized that he was aware of the problem, Adam was, and he would have been more lenient with his punishment. Because by Adam portraying this act of accountability of the events that transpired and covering, sheltering, or protecting his wife, he would have earned credit for showing responsibility over that which he had named and that which God had given him responsibility over. He would have proven to God that he is reliable and someone that can be trusted to own up when he has made a mistake, which is a notable character of true leadership. Instead, he blamed Eve and left her to explain herself to God. He left her to suffer the very fate that he feared for himself. Eve, though, did not point the finger back at Adam. She took responsibility for her own actions and pointed the finger to where the true root cause of the problem was, which was the serpent, a.k.a. the devil. How many times has this happened either in your life or in the life of someone that you know? How many times have people pointed the finger at each other when something has gone wrong and not taken the time to look at themselves critically to see what they may have done to contribute to a problem, to the demise of a relationship, or a challenge at work. In fact, specifically in the workplace, most people follow a commonly known and adhered to principle known as the CYA principle, also known as CYR, cover your rear. And if you have ever worked as a consultant or contractor, you know this is one principle you live by on any engagement. We know that Adam and Eve started out in a relationship with each other where they trusted each other enough to be vulnerable with one another. What do you think this incident of Adam blaming Eve would have done to that vulnerability? How do you think this would have affected their trust in the relationship? Sometimes when conflict arises between people, we're quick to think that the other person involved had ill intentions and it is very easy to lose trust. Adam and Eve's relationship was still in its early stages of forming. It was still blossoming when the devil interfered and tainted it with the first conflict that they had no training on how to overcome. They needed to find a way to handle this conflict and they did not handle it well. Most relationships fail in the early stages or when conflict arises and failure to resolve that conflict leads to people parting ways. Which brings us to the next very important aspect of a healthy relationship, which is conflict resolution. Conflict resolution techniques can be applied in all forms of relationships, but usually what we find happening is people are more willing to apply these techniques in professional and or legal settings than they are in informal or personal relationships. Without an enforcer present or some respected authority that people can see and touch, in personal relationships, it's up to those engaged in the relationship to determine if they want to apply those techniques or not. How do you respond to or resolve conflict in your relationships? 
when a misunderstanding occurs similar to that which was experienced by Adam and Eve in their relationship. It usually takes intentional, effective communication to bring understanding back into the mix. The blame game that was played by Adam towards Eve is one that had a lasting impact and has continued to be an issue in all types of relationships between people even today. For example, many people, men and women, are still blaming Eve for all the pain and suffering that we experience in the world today. Many women blame Eve for the pain that they endure during childbirth. And some men complain about how hard life is because of what Eve did. Not Adam, not the serpent, but Eve. Adam was the first to blame her. And well after Eve took her last breath, people are still blaming her, even today. Poor Eve. It's not your fault, girl. I got you. (laughs) But for real though, The real blame is with the serpent. The enemy is to blame because he knew exactly what he was doing when he engaged in conversation with Eve. His intentions in asking the question was to introduce doubt and fear into their relationship, the enemy's trusted partners in crime, so that Eve would question what she had been told and then to manipulate her into thinking that doing the exact opposite of what God has said not to do would be good for her and for Adam, and that she would please God even more. So that fear would cause Adam to blame Eve, introducing the first conflict and rift into their relationship. Eve's heart was in the right place, but her mind led her astray. We sometimes believe that our emotions can get the best of us and make us make decisions that are irrational. However, in this case, it was her thinking that was wrong, her perception. It was the logical argument presented by the devil that was wrong. Which leads me to another extremely important note for today's message. In fact, I would say the main important point which is on perception, what we think about a particular situation. Folks, perception is the devil's greatest weapon of mass distraction. No, it is not nuclear weapons or any form of physical ammunition. It is the mind and what we think. How we view a particular situation, our thoughts and opinions about any situation can either destroy us or build us. And sometimes logic can work against you. For those of you who pride yourselves on being logical people, sometimes the logical argument is the wrong argument. This is why we are implored by God to be consistently transformed through the renewal of our mind, to constantly check our thoughts and beliefs on all matters against the word of God, which is wisdom and food for the soul. This is not a one-time thing, folks. Rather, a continuous effort that we are encouraged to do on a daily. So, 
one could argue that before Eve succumbed and ate from the tree, she should have gone back at least to Adam to discuss the proposal made by the serpent and checked with him because, after all, he was the one who got the instruction from God directly. Another argument could also be made that they both could have gone back to God to clarify his instruction and ask him to confirm or provide clarity to the logical argument presented by the serpent. This is what being constantly transformed through the renewal of our minds is all about and why we should be checking what we think and believe about literally anything and everything with God before we act or make decisions. Because the devil, we are told in later books and chapters of the word, is like a roaring lion roaming this earth, eagerly looking for someone to devour. And that devouring starts in the mind of the believer. And notice what he did with Eve. He planted a thought by asking a question. Then he manipulated the truth by feeding it back to her, but in a suggestive way to encourage her to make the decision herself to eat the apple. Let's take a closer look at how exactly he did this. He posed the question, Did God really tell you not to eat fruit from any tree in the garden? That right there, that question in itself has manipulative intent. If they were not allowed to eat from any tree, how would they have survived all that while, especially if the punishment from eating any tree in the garden was death? Eve wouldn't be alive to be having the conversation with the serpent in the first place. Surely, God would have noticed what they were doing and punished them for it. But the question seemed so innocent even though it was loaded with deception. When Eve responded by stating that they could not eat or touch the tree in the middle of the garden or they would die, we now know from analyzing this last week that there were a few things wrong with that response. However, the snake quickly responded by saying what she had been told was a lie. He specifically pointed out where the lie was by stating, that's not true, you will not die. God said that because he knows that when you eat it, you will be like God and know what is good and what is bad. Like that was the only thing about what she said that was not true. Notice that the focus was only on the last part, which was the reference to death and everything else she said was ignored. He made special focus on the consequence. The enemy, through the snake, manipulated her into thinking that the worst thing that had been threatened wasn't really going to happen. Which brings me to my next very important note for today's episode, which is, when we don't think the worst situation is that bad, we're more willing to take a risk and do whatever it is that we are or have been cautioned not to do. Most of you are familiar with the phrase, what's the worst that can happen? We look at what the worst thing that can happen is, and if the worst thing doesn't seem that bad, 
we're more inclined to do it. In the world of risk management, in this case, the devil took all the negative out of it and instead made it seem like doing this deed, eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and bad, would bring about a quote-unquote benefit and not a negative risk. He did so by using a piece of detail that had been left out when the instruction was shared with Eve. <laughs> okay, yes, I know I'm emphasizing here beating a dead horse, one might say, but I'm doing this intentionally to drive a point home on the importance of effective communication and also to shine a bright light on how, in communication with each other, the devil manipulates us into having misunderstandings by taking advantage of the fact that we are flawed human beings and we don't always communicate effectively. And if you note this and you're conscious about this very important fact in all your communication, you can avoid certain fights and also resort to resolve conflict right away when it happens in a better way. Think about it. Some wars that happened in the past or are currently ongoing could have been avoided. Some relationships may still be intact today if this was something that was taught from day one instead of us focusing on blaming Eve for being human. The devil is the greatest master of disguise and he will disguise a problem as something else in an effort to hide the fact that he is the real culprit and so that we don't focus on identifying the root cause of the problem, which in this case was in the communication that happened between Adam and Eve. The same concept is applied when people are victims of abuse and the victim is blamed for the abuse they have endured. In those cases, the abuser is absorbed of their actions and the victim is blamed and told it's their fault they were abused. But that is a discussion for another time. Let me just leave that there and note that this problem has had a ripple effect in several aspects of our lives. The devil was punished by God because he is a just God and his rulings are fair. But we need to give Eve some grace and we need to do that with each other as well when communication fails us. We also need to ensure that we seek God's wisdom and understanding about everything and that we seek him in all communication, no matter who we're speaking to and no matter the nature of the relationship. Because when the devil interferes and causes a misunderstanding to occur, God's discerning spirit that Jesus left with us to guide us and counsel us on all matters is what steps in to bring back order and restore the peace and harmony that comes with understanding. Look, communication is so integral to healthy relationships and the absence of it or a lack of proper effective communication can cause for emotions to spiral out of control, wrong perceptions to develop, and all sorts of cause and effect issues to occur. In this case, the risk of poor communication led to great consequences that we are still suffering from today. One of the greatest consequences being that we were physically separated from God, our Maker. 
We learn from verse 8 in chapter 3 that God used to walk on this earth visible to people. He was physically reachable. That is no longer the case today, and that has never been the case ever since. How has a lack of effective communication affected you in your relationships? Well, that's all food for thought that I have for you today, folks. Isn't it lovely to know that there really is something for everyone in the Word of God, and in His Word, we have solutions to solve literally any and every problem we could ever face? The key here is knowing how to apply His Word in our everyday circumstances. If you're struggling with communicating in your relationship, no matter the nature of the relationship, it does not only have to be a romantic one. And you would like someone to help give you some tools that you can use to overcome the communication barrier in your relationship, feel free to log on to www.childofgoddiaries.com services and book your complimentary strategy session today. I'll be happy to talk to you and help you determine how you can apply a biblical approach to combating communication problems in your relationship. If you enjoyed this episode today, don't forget to like and share it with your friends and family. Leave a comment below and let me know how this episode resonated with you. Okay, folks, thank you for tuning in. And as always, it has been my absolute pleasure hosting you. Be sure to come back next week as I share more encouraging and uplifting messages to help carry you throughout your entire week. Have yourselves a great rest of your week and God bless you. Bye for now.